guys, this is Jeff Benning. Absolute pleasure to be here on the Punch Podcast. Hi, I'm Sky Nicholson. Hey, I'm Nikita Zoo. Hey, this is Eddie Hearn. G'day, this is Jason Maloney. I'm Phil. This is Shotgun Chan O'Connell. On the Punch Podcast. Yeah, bring it on. Episode 27, the Punch Podcast. You've got Jabe and it starts for you now. And geez, I was looking at the calendar. We're moving through 2022, but there is some huge fights still to come by the end of the year. We're pretty much packed from here on out. Every weekend, there's something massive on. Have a look at this. What do we got? The Origin Rumble in Brisbane. That's happening. We've got Super Saturday in Newcastle. That's going to be huge. Canelo on Triple G. Matrim's first Oz show with Paro V. Jarvis. Massive shotgun versus Ebony Bridges, still TBA, but we're expecting that by the end of the year as well. Kembosis v Haney 2, Rod Laver. God, it's massive, isn't it? Even in Jan, Tim Zoo versus Charlo. But November's going to be all about this man today who is on the Punch podcast. I'm pumped to get him on too because I've been a big fan of him. He really, really fights well. He's an awesome guy. Been hanging to get him on. The Vikings here today. A big announcement for him too with Stevie Spark. Signing with Matt Troom and then Eddie Hearn chucking him straight on a US headlining card versus Montana Love. This is going to be massive. Cleveland, Ohio, middle of November. Let's get him on. We've been trying to get you on for a bit, Stevie Spark. Welcome. Finally here, mate. Thanks very much for having me on. <laughs> what are you up to today? You just look like you've just been cruising around, getting ready to punch some faces in and just uh, killing time until you do. That's literally it today. Um, today's a big one this half, so... Just had a big walk this morning and, um, yeah, we got a big session tonight, 16 rounds on the pads. So, yeah, just gearing up for that and saving the energy. How do you go with uh, with the later sessions? Is that because you're now looking to headline fights and, and fight later? You, you push your schedule later or what's the plan with that? Um, at the moment, it doesn't really matter. But definitely, yeah, the closer you get to the fight, normally fight week will try and stay up to that midnight sort of time and, and train at that 7.30, 8pm sort of time so you get used to the the later night, I mean, the the body clock definitely adjusts. So, yeah, I'm normally one of those people that stay up late during fight week and try and have a sleep in for sure. But at the moment, we just train when suits. Yeah, well, the good news is you're on this podcast for a very good reason, one that I reckon you're pretty happy about too. Well, two good things. The first one we'll get to is you are now officially on the matchroom boxing roster. That's pretty good. Yeah, massive. Now, I saw Eddie pop out maybe a few months ago when he announced that the zone card that's going to be in Brisbane uh, coming up October uh, 15, but his first stop, the first thing I saw about him being in the country was in Toowoomba with you. Literally, that's the uh, <laughs> first stop he made. He got off the plane and um, the next morning he was headed up to Toowoomba. Um, I don't think he realized how big a driver it was from Brisbane to Toowoomba, but oh, he, drove. he came up anyway. Yeah, so he, it was actually a couple of days after my fight, uh, my win with um, Kong Song. So it, uh, he messaged me on Instagram and him and Brennan had been chatting on email and yeah, then um, organized a meeting and here we are. That's pretty funny that you did get the biggest boxing promoter on planet Earth in a car from Brisbane to Toowoomba to come and just have a chat. Yeah. See how things go. Yeah, it was good. We just sat out, had a bit of a coffee and had a yard. So it was a really good chat. And what was his mission straight away was to get you under contract and, and get you on match room? Or was he just sort of having a bit of a suss on what's happening? Or, or what was the go? What was the conversation that day? To be honest, it was actually more of a, uh, there was different names thrown around at the time. Um, at that point, it was more so looking at heading to the UK to fight. Um, things changed over the time once he left and we got more talking and different dates were proposed and they were talking about that fight date here. He's doing um, October 15 in um, in Queensland, but I was pretty keen to get out of here and head over overseas. So we sort of kept working towards doing a date there. But look, nothing was sort of set on stone even then or even up until the last minute of signing this one. Um, boxing's a funny thing like that. 
Um, it can it can take a very long time and with contracts and, and deals to be done. So nothing's done until it's ever signed. You've got the guys back home. I'm sure there would have been some of the local Australian promoters circling as well. Was that, were there any offers on the table there or options to go with yeah. your No Limit, Tasman Fire? For sure, the obvious was the, the Dara Foley fight, you know, yeah. and, and we did actually receive a contract for that fight. Unfortunately, it couldn't get done. I, I accepted far less money than what I thought the fight was worth and they sent the contract through, but they sent it through and, they didn't want to put the WBC title fight on it. And um, look, unfortunately, like that's just how boxing is. Sometimes deals don't get done. And Brendan's job, he's my trainer manager. You know, his job is to you know sort me the best deal and um, sort me the most lucrative deal and, and the one with the most opportunity. So we'd be mad if we didn't go down this route. And um, Eddie just happened to offer a better fight. Um, it all just sort of fell into place kind of thing. So it worked out well for us and uh, wish Dara following no limit, nothing but the best. Well, he had plenty to say about you at his recent press conference. I'm sure you heard that one. But for those listening, uh, Dara got up and about when asked about Stevie Spark. Let's check this out. I'm not going to give this little shit back anymore airtime, right? I was meant to fight Spare Rib Spark. He had a contract, he talked a whole heap of shit and he didn't sign a contract. Now he's gone off to America to fight against some guy who walks a poodle out to the ring and his name is Love. So what now, go, go have fun with that man over in America. But um, you can't fight someone who doesn't want to fight you. I think that's called the salt man. Are you suggesting that you're not, as Dara put it, Stevie, uh, a shitbag? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Jury's out. It is. I mean, it's someone's story. I'm always going to be the bad guy, but at the end of the day, it's my career. I have to look out for what's best in my interests. So um, we decided to go down this route and, uh, yeah, wish you nothing but the best. Well, this route is looking pretty awesome too, isn't it? We're fighting in the US. Is this a, uh, the first one for you over there? I can't remember. No, well, I haven't been to America, no, yeah. not before. I fought in China as a pro and I fought in England as an amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mate. Look, this is this is one of the biggest opportunities possible. Um, like I said, at 15 years of age, I sort of really dreamed of these sort of moments, and um, this is my opportunity to go and silence all the critics and um, shock the world on this one. I know I'm going to be a massive underdog, uh, but to go over to the United States of America and headline my first ever card on the zone main event, 12 rounds against one of the best 140 pounders in the country. That's kind of a pinch yourself moment. So I'm taking this with both hands and. This is what this sport's about, um, the sport of opportunity and, and sport to go shock the world. Yeah, and for those listening that might not be across the venue you're fighting in, you, you're in the arena there. Is that the home court for the Cavs? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, this massive. is the big yeah. one. It's not, yeah. the, it's not the equivalent of bloody Rudy LRSL over there. It's the big, no, no, this the is big, big, this is the big Cleveland. Big one. I know I'm going to be going into enemy territory. You know, I'm, I'm going to be going straight into his backyard, but I think this is what makes this sport, and it's going to make it so much sweeter for me when I do beat him because, you know, when I pull this off and go into his backyard with everything stacked against me absolutely everything and um, when I pull this off it's going to make it that much sweeter and this is what grows you as a person and this is what grows you as a fighter let's talk about your opponent Montana Love he took to Instagram the other day check this out he's pretty vocal he's pretty pumped and look he's the A-side over there so he's got to do all the selling you just get to turn up but look what he's talking about first title fight the city ever seen man you know what I'm saying y'all know I got the streets behind me a lot of stars will be in the building y'all know what I did here last year y'all know how I'm coming <laughs> A lot of stars in the building. What do we know about Montana Love? Look, he's he's from Cleveland, I believe, and um, he's uh, they're touting him as the next superstar in boxing. Um, that's what they're all saying. They're saying he's the next big thing in 140-pound division. He's number seven in the world. They're talking about him fighting for a world title after this fight, but I've, I've got plans other than that. So um, this Aussie kid's going to go shock the world, and um, 
I'm going to upset the apple cart over there most definitely. Have you seen much of him? Been watching some tape? Like, what do we know about him? What I know about him? No, look, he's he's a slick fighter. He's a southpaw counterpuncher. Do I think he's fought anyone like me? No, I don't. I don't think he's fought anyone just like me yet. So I think he's in for a big shock when he gets in there with me. You know, we can sit here and say all this, but it's up to me to go out there on the night and, and, and do that and pull it off. Anyone that's seen your fight knows you're tough. So you've got the toughness. Look, if you look at, like, you are 15 and 2, but if you look at one loss was Tim Zhu, and then the other one was your second fight in. So, like, very new to the pros, and that was 2015. They're on your record, but I don't, to be honest, I don't count both of those because the second one, I, I don't believe I lost that one either. And at the end of the day, it's a relevant record. In this sport, the thing that we need to change is what records really mean. I think records are irrelevant. It depends who you fought, when you fought. Um, there's so much stacked against it when you actually look at records. So going into this fight, I've had 17 pro fights. He's had 19. This is a massive fight. This is huge fight on paper. Um, I know a lot of people will be overlooking me, especially a lot of the Americans and that, but I think they're in for a bit of a treat with my style. Um, I, I bring an all action-packed style. I go in there and I, I go in there for war and I go in there to win. So either way, they're in for a big, big treat, but I think they're in for a bit of a shock and um, a bit of disappointment on the night when I beat their boy. Yeah, and I feel like a few of the US guys do that as well. They don't really know what they're in for, whether that be Tiafimo with Cambosis the first time round, or even Charlo when Zoo comes over, because you could argue maybe Tim's best performance was not Terrell Gachet, but they have set a bar where they think Tim sits, and I yeah. believe he fights a lot better than what he fought that night. So you can't, yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad bar to have set. It's a funny one, because I don't want any excuses after either. I've always said that. I, I hope he's preparing for a world champion like me. I hope he's preparing for someone, uh, like, I hope he's not underestimating me. So there's no excuses after there's none of it. You know, I want the best Montana love there is. So when I go out there and do it, that I beat the best Montana love. When are you thinking of taking off? You're going to spend a bit of time there before the fight? We're looking at heading over in about four weeks time. Um, and we are going to be heading up camp uh, in Houston, Texas, actually. So we'll probably head over here early first week of October and look to do six weeks training over there. Like I've been training for the last eight weeks anyway, like nonstop. I knew this was sort of coming up. So I knew I was going to sort of be fighting towards this time of the year. So I've been training very hard. And yeah, to do the last six weeks in America is really going to put the finishing touches on it. It'd be pretty awesome. Like really, you're going to be driving through Cleveland. They'll have the big signs up, all the visuals. Like yeah. you're going to a big fight feel. Uh, he, looking at his box rec, there's the last few fights he's had either been in that stadium, the MGM, Madison Square Garden. So he, he is a big time arena feeling or at least he's on the undercards for him anyway but you did it you're in it you've done it you made it this is the big time yeah i'm looking to stay you know <laughs> yeah. i'm not looking to just poke my head in for the one yeah i want to i want to get to this point and i want to stay here i want to overtake these guys one good thing about you is that you did take that tim zoo fight last minute notice when all the zarafa hoo-ha was going on you won a lot of fans like win lose or draw that fight won it for you and you got a big fan base of people that saw a a great fighter first and foremost an even better guy and someone that the country or the fight fans at least can get behind did it feel like that because one minute you're pouring beers at the rsl and next minute team zoo two sent you a private plane to fly to newcastle with a headline a show. Yeah, like I say, man, this sport is a crazy ass sport. You never know when you're going to get that phone call um, to hop in the ring and fight. But as I've always said, you know, that's our job as fighters. We get in there and fight. Um, I knew with the Tim Zoo fight, like I wasn't very fit. I, I hadn't sparred since the Brew Baker fight or anything like that. So, and I'm jumping up to 154 pounds. I thought, look, I'm going to have a crack at this for three rounds because that's about all I got left in me at this point. Like, and uh, look, and that's what I did, and, and that's. That's what I said on the camera. Either he was getting knocked out in three or probably I was, you know, that's all I had in me. So I went out there and give it everything I got. And I think that's what people liked is 
there was no bullshit in it. And um, I went out there and did exactly that. And I held my head high and I held my head proud still. Um, look, I got a lot of positivity out of that fight too. Like you mentioned, there was a lot that I gained from that fight, win, lose or draw. And look, to be honest, I barely took any punishment to the head from that fight anyway. Yeah, there was moments there where I thought you really hit him well. <laughs> like I thought, shit. <laughs> I, I would have liked to be as fit as I am now. I yeah. would have liked to say, how about a catch weight of 68 kilo or something? But yeah. in a perfect world, that's what happens. But it is what it is. Well, things have been moving pretty awesome for you since. We've got this big fight, like we know, with Montana Love. And I know boxers don't like to look past their opponent. They're all very much, I'll take it this fight and then we'll think about the future. But I'm sure you've mapped out something for post-Montana Love, maybe the next 6, 12, 18 months, whatever that may be. Where are we at with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always one fight at a time, like you said, in this sport. And you sort of look at it after the next one. But, you know, I guess him being number seven in the IBF, I think he's 15 with the WBC. I'm number, number 20 with the WBC. So the winner of these is definitely going to go into, you know, your, your top three and four in the world with um, two of the organizations, most definitely. So it, it's it's crazy. You know, the winner of this could potentially get a world title fight next, most definitely. When you're in that top five in the world, you're you potentially knocking on the door for a world title. For me, in the ideal world, it'd be go over there and um, knock out Montana Love and become an overnight sensation in America, and, and that's where I want to spend the rest of my career. That's a super light, isn't it? One forty. Super light, one forty. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've now got like Tiafimo. I'm surprised that they didn't, and maybe in the conversations, were you ever a chance for um, Liam Paro instead of Brock Jarvis, or vice versa? Uh, it's funny when when Eddie actually came to Toowoomba and he he chatted to us. He's like, "Oh, what fights do you are you interested?" And I said, "Liam Paro." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I've already matched him with Jarvis, unfortunately." But you know that is a big fight in Australia potentially in the future. You know, between me and Liam, he is number five at the IBF and um, doing great things and. I think he's got a big, big fight coming up with Jarvis. So, you know, potentially, who doesn't like all Aussie fights like that? They're massive fights, and God willing, he gets through his fight, and I do. You know, that's potentially a big, big fight there. You never know. Me and Liam could end up squaring off for a world title against each other in Australia. So, I mean, both being signed with Matchroom, I don't see how it wouldn't be a big fight to make as well and an easier fight to make. Yeah, and there's plenty happening in that weight class as well. Tio tried to say that all the actions at 140 when he moved up. But look, lightweight's still yeah, pretty yeah. good. It's, mate, it is actually turning into a big division now. Yeah. And also, uh, there is another fighter there, Ryan Garcia. I would love to fight Ryan Garcia. He's moved up to 140 now. And it's an exciting division. There's some big names there. Yeah, well, that'd be a ripper one. And that's absolutely every opportunity. You, you do a number on Montana Love. You could be a shot at Garcia if he's not trying to get Tank in the ring by the end of the year or post that. That's what you do. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's exciting in this sport. Once you start getting out to this level, you're only one win away and, and one punch away from getting these kinds of opportunities and paydays. And it's um it's a crazy sport. Life comes fast. I think we're all just excited for you to get these opportunities, like to get on the match room, to get a big fight in the States, because there are many good fighters in this country that just don't get those opportunities. They'll do the local circuits around and around and around, but they just don't really get on those planes and get out of there just given opportunities you know you'd see a, there's some good fighters in this country that if they had better management i think mm. they'd go a lot further in the sport as well yeah um, i think a good manager makes and breaks a career for sure yeah and you've seemed to obviously catch on to the like obviously don't mind front the media you're happy to chat you're a good talker there's all that stuff too that i guess promoters are going to look that they're trying to sell a fight right so they need you to be able to and hold and that up you didn't, and like you said if i didn't perform as well as i did with jack brubaker and, and talk as well as i did wouldn't have got that Tim Zhu fight. You know, there's plenty yeah. of other names there that maybe, I don't know, maybe they weren't willing to accept the fight on six days notice, but I was, and I put my hand up and I got the fight. So it just happened to go that way. But I wouldn't have got the call if I hadn't put on a performance like I did with Brubaker. And you have to sell yourself as much as you can in the sport as well. It's promotional as well. <laughs> and then you have to go on the performances. 
Yeah, and the good thing is, and this is where it all comes back, and this is where grassroots sort of comes into it. You probably more so than anyone that I've seen have got a real strong sponsor crew. Like you got some good long term sponsors, and then all of a sudden they've got on at the ground floor, and then here you are, Cleveland, at discounted rates because you're. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, unreal. They've um, yeah, I've got some really good support here in Toowoomba. They're such a good sporting town, you know, like lots of local footy players. Have gone on to do great things in the NRL and, and fighters, Michael Katsidis, and you know, massive, massive sporting town here, and they really get behind their people. It's such a great community, so I'm very lucky to have all the support of them. You've been looking pretty fit online. Are you more into your CrossFit sort of stuff with training? Is that something that you yeah. sort of seem to do a bit more than everyone else? Yeah, I, I was sort of. I never really started doing CrossFit as such until about probably three years ago. Um, Notice a huge difference with that. Like, I only do it one time a week, normally once a week, twice a week, if that. And um, just doing it on a Saturday, and mate, I find it's a, it's impacted my training huge. Hey, the style of training that it is, it's very competitive. It's generally you know by yourself, and it's very such a push yourself culture. Um, they're all cheering each other on, and and that's what I like about it. And the style of training is very transitionable into boxing. You know, it's not specific weights as such. So I very much do like it, and I've sort of implemented a lot more strength training as well. I've got a strength coach um, that I do sort of once and twice a week now, but I don't get too carried away on that. Um, on that side of it too much, you know, because you can you can forget that at the end of the day you are a boxer and a fighter. I think sometimes fighters sometimes to do too much of that stuff. And if if you're going into sparring sessions or you're going into big pad sessions or sessions where you should be solely focusing on your boxing and you're too sore that it's taking away from that session. You know, if your legs are too tired because you've been squatting, you know, hundred kilos a day before and for repping, but you know, you're getting punched in the head six times more than you would have. Is it really helping you? Maybe not, you know. So I think it's important to have that fine line of knowing when to pull back on that sort of strength and, and conditioning training on the outside of the boxing. What's your favorite part of all the training? <laughs> I like sparring. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sparring. I like sparring. I like running. I like CrossFit. I like pad work. I fucking hate bag work. <laughs> <laughs> I hate bag work so much. <laughs> well, I loved when they announced your fight to um, Montana Love, that one there. I saw you... Went out for a run at like one thirty a.m. or something like that. So I'm, I'm just buzzing. I'm, I'm out. Yeah, it was a Friday night. And I was laying there, and then I didn't even know they were announcing it. And it was like midnight or twelve thirty, and then they put it up, and I was like, "Oh well, I can't sleep anyway. Might as well." So gave me that bit of an extra motivation to get out of bed and go for a run as well. So I had a big day that day of sparring and everything. So, but a little bit of extra motivation doesn't hurt. Obviously, you've got the focus of what you want to do, but boxers always find, especially when they're in their 20s somewhere, your mates are out getting lit every weekend or going to the pub and just doing things that they do. But yet you've got to stay clean. You've got to just keep everything like at it. Is it hard to sit on the couch when they go? Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I admit, mate, I'm I'm... I'm human as well, and and sometimes I don't mind a beer, and um, yeah, but you've definitely got to keep yourself in check and have have good friends around you that aren't going to lead you astray. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to have that. You have to have that internal commitment as well yourself. But I think it's important to have mates that aren't going to egg you on and, and sort of uh, push you to do those sorts of things. But as I said, mate, I'm human too, and I don't mind a beer occasionally. And um, Definitely looking uh, looking forward to having one over in Cleveland there after I win this title belt. Yeah, that's the best bit about it. I see it all. Like even in the UFC, Paddy the Batty, he'll eat like full-blown pizzas at the press conference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, so it's, I think it's important because you're so strict and so so dialed in on what you're doing. You can sometimes become a little bit bitter and um, sour. So it's, it's nice after the fight to have that little unwind for a week and just, I guess, enjoy the uh, fruits of life. Well, I hope none of your loose mates are the ones getting on the plane with you to Cleveland, obviously due for takeoff pretty soon. Who's the crew rolling with you on that one? 
Yeah, we'll just go over with myself, uh, my trainer manager, Brendan, and um, one of the other local fighters here, Jackson Griffiths. He's one of my good mates. He's um, a welterweight up and coming, and he's about to fight for the Queensland State title next weekend here. And he'll come over and do the six weeks there with us, just be a bit of a Shetland pony, you know, come over and do a bit of the training with us. So it'll be us three. And then on the fight week, we'll have the rest of the team come over. So Corb, my assistant coach, and um, John Geiger, cut man. And then look, and then um, I have a heap of family and friends coming over as well. So it's going to be a really good team. It's going to be a good feel. But going over that six weeks early and settling in with me, Brendan, and, and Jackson Griffiths and the gym we're going to, it's going to be a really good feel. We've got some good people over there. I mean, Brendan was over there for years with Michael Katsidis. Um, They lived in America for many years and... Go back and forth there, but um, you know, Brennan's got a lot of contacts there, so we're really looking forward to getting there and just settling in. You know, I know the Yanks like to play a few mind games with the way they set you up. Like for argument's sakes, Jeff Horn when he fought for his world title in Vegas, they just put him in a smaller room, better than the other guy. You know what I mean? So like, just those little things. Nothing like that seeping through yet. Nah, mate, we're pretty, <laughs> we're pretty, um, we're pretty sorted. Brennan's onto that sort of stuff, and like I said, he's been there before and done it, and and look, he's setting it all up now, and, and we're getting onto it early and. Yeah, we're really excited just to get over there and settle in. But we're um, we're going to base ourselves well out of Cleveland. We're going to be way down the bottom at Houston, Texas. So we're not going to be anywhere near them. <laughs> do you keep the same ring walk song or do you mix it up, make it super Aussie, maybe zoom Barnsley in or something? I don't know. <laughs> no, I have been thinking about that, actually. I've got a new fight kit coming, but I haven't thought about the walkout song. Something different would be cool. Do you know what I was thinking the other day? And maybe you've thought of it and I'm, I'm not the genius that I may think I am. <laughs> but you've seen Canberra Raiders run onto the field. Yeah. Have you thought about the Viking clap? Yeah, well, that's what I want to do. So, like, that's what my fight sort of song is, where people sort of clap as they walk, you know, the the, the drums beat at the same time. So, that's yeah. what – I mean, it's going to be hard to get all of Cleveland to stand up and do it, but you <laughs> never <Aussie>. know. <laughs> Just for you and your team. Yeah? Come on, guys. Come yeah, on. exactly. I don't think everyone – they'd be looking around, what are these guys doing? Yeah, it'd be pretty awesome back home, though, once you you come back and you got those big cards. set. I'd love to have like a stadium of 10,000, 20,000 people all doing that as you walk into the ring. That'd be some kind of electric feeling, eh? Yeah, that'd be unbelievable. I've listened to a lot of ring walks, never had a fight. I've dreamt them. <laughs> Just after the You can you. come up with all the ideas. Yeah, yeah, I'll, ideas. I'll be your uh, marketing and ideas creative team for the guy that can't do it, that just talks about it and pretends. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That'd be half the fun. But uh, yeah, look, mate, well, we really appreciate you getting on the Punch podcast. It's uh, bloody good to get you on and show our support. And obviously, um, look forward to seeing you go over there and shock the world and um, put that Montana love on his back. Yeah, exactly, mate. Thank you very much. And I just hope that, you know, all of Australia can really get behind me. You know, this is as big as it gets. I'm, I'm a young Aussie battler having a go and heading over to America and honestly going to give this my absolute everything. Um, taking on one of the best fighters in the world and I'm very excited for it. So There's something sweet about fighting when you know you've got nothing to lose. Like what I imagine Cambosis is next time he fights Haney. But... Yeah, and that's the thing, like you said, it's in it's in his backyard. This is Montana Love's backyard. Everything's on him. He's selling the tickets. He's got the stars there, his backyard. His, it's all on him. It's his title. It's his, you know, so I'm going there and I'm taking everything he's got. You know, there's no pressure on me, not whatsoever. I'm just, I'm putting in the work. Um, we're coming prepared and we're coming to win. I'm taking everything this man's work for. That's how the Viking rolls. Exactly. <laughs> Time to rain. Long boat's ready. Yeah. yeah. I've got a pirate eye just so I fit in. I don't know. 
whatever. <laughs> Steve Thanks, Spark, mate, mate. Appreciate thanks it. for hanging out. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, mate. Cheers. And there he goes. What a guy. Stevie Spark. Hit him up on Instagram, at Stevie Spark. You'll find him on Facebook as well. And uh, hot tip, if you haven't got the DAZN app, this isn't an ad to, by the way, just a hot tip on the Punch Podcast, D-A-Z-N. Go and get it because you're going to get that fight. You're going to get the big one in Brisbane coming up soon with Liam Paro versus Brock Jarvis. That's how you're going to see it. And, of course, Canelo Triple G. That's all going to be live on DAZN. So that's how you're going to see these fights if you're wondering, how do I watch this? This sounded pretty good. That is how it's done. Also, if you can swing by uh, Apple and leave a comment and a review, that'd be amazing of this podcast as well. Or if you're on Spotify, like it as well. Or just just show some love. It does a lot for the Punch Podcast. And thank you for those that have done that uh, for me as well. That is today's episode done and dusted. I'll see you next time right here on the Punch Podcast. <laughs>